You're listening to The Real Reese. Welcome to my podcast, The Real Reese. My name is Reese and I'll be your host of every single one of these episodes. And welcome back to another Scream-related episode. My favorite movie franchise of all time, not even close. And the last time we did a Scream episode, and the only time we did a Scream episode... (laughs) Is when um, I was ranking each movie from my least favorite to my favorite. And though that ranking was Scream 2 being my least favorite. And then Scream 3, Scream 5, Scream 6, Scream 4, and then Scream 1 being my favorite. Now today's episode is going to be a little bit similar to that but also very different. So when I was ranking those movies the first time, it was based just on a, a overall feeling of, of how I felt about each movie. This time, however, I'm going to be doing the same thing, but in a different format. I'm actually going to be doing a tier list. And it's not the same kind of tier list you're probably thinking of. It's a bit different. Um, So on this list are a bunch of individual aspects of a movie. The the production quality, the score, the, um, the opening scene, the kills, the mystery, whatever. So I'm going to see if my overall ranking matches up with my ranking of these individual aspects of each movie to see if I get to the same result that I got to when I was ranking it the first time. Now before I get started I do need to say that I got this tier list and this idea from a YouTuber named Zach Cherry. He is a Scream related YouTube channel. I think he's the biggest Scream related YouTube channel and by Scream related YouTube channel I mean that pretty much all of his content is centered around the Scream universe. So Go show that got some love. He's awesome. Um, I disagree with nearly all of his opinions, but you know, you don't <laughs> you can enjoy someone's content while disagreeing with their opinions. It's it's not anything personal. Each of us have different opinions about everything. But shout out to him because this tier list idea is very, 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 very fun. Um, can't wait to get into this. And speaking of, let's go ahead and do that. The first category that we have today is opening scene. Ah, man, the the opening scenes of every screen movie is iconic. They are some of the best openings in any horror movie to date. Um, And the one I have in the first place spot, which is the original opening, Scream 1996, I think Scream 1996 has the best opening of any horror movie in existence. I will stand by that until the day I die. Um, I will die on the hill that Scream 1 has the best opening ever. So, by default, Scream 1 goes in first place here. Um, And there are a few reasons for that. I think the biggest reasons are for reasons that I wasn't even allowed to witness. But, um, so, Drew Barrymore was the biggest name at the time, other than Courtney Cox, because I think Friends was in its, like, second or third season at this point. Well, maybe Drew Barrymore was still the biggest name. Anyway, it was between her and Courtney Cox. But anyway, um... Drew Barrymore was on the, the posters. She was advertised to be the main the main chick, the final girl of this franchise uh, or this movie that turned into a franchise. And she ended up being the second victim of the movie and the first victim to actually die on screen. So just that alone, how how that set the standard for these movies going forward, how it's changed the whole landscape of the, the horror genre is reason enough to have it there. But it's also, I think, if not the longest, it's the second longest outside of Scream 5 where we get Roger L. Jackson's um, 
iconic Ghostface voice for just this extended amount of time. It's a very long scene. Um, and that that voice, man, Roger's, Roger Jackson's voice is just is iconic at this point. So just Roger L. Jackson and then the whole Drew Barrymore thing is reason enough. But it's also just really creepy. It's super scary. Um, in a in an era where we just got out of the whole Nightmare on Elm Street craze and the Friday the 13th movies, you know, we were in the 90s. It was time for something new. And what better way to just get into a new a new era of slasher movies than to have it be based in reality, kind of how a normal person in a costume and a mask is going around killing people. And he's, he talks to his victims on the phone first to like, to set the mood. That is super scary. It's a super, super, super creepy um, concept and it worked out perfectly. So Scream 1 is in first place. The second place for best opening scene goes to Scream 2, my least favorite movie in the entire franchise uh <laughs> listen as i have my problems with scream 2 but it is still a great movie it's still easily like an 8 out of 10 it's just my least favorite scream movie but when i cannot deny that the opening scene despite this is the the crazy part i i am a big fan of roger l jackson and his voice like i said in the previous entries is iconic and this is the only opening in the entire franchise where he doesn't speak one time um it's kind of crazy but it's still my second favorite opening and i think it's because this right here is the most scary scenario to me just imagine being in a, a big open crowd tons of people around you you're having a good time with your friend you know you're you're vibing out enjoying life and your friend goes out to the bathroom does he come Somebody comes back wearing his clothes but has a mask on because you're, you know, you're out enjoying yourself during Halloween or whatever. And you're around all these people and you feel safe relatively because there's a bunch of people here. Like, what could possibly happen here with all these people, you know? And then the person who you think is your friend in this mask and costume just stabs you in front of all these people. And you're going around the audience, you're pleading for help, you're... You're looking at all these people who can help you and people who are looking directly at you, but they think it's a, like, publicity stunt. And you're just there dying all alone in pain because all these people around you just don't know the actual danger that you're in. And then the person that did it to you got away scot-free. They just slid out through the audience because everybody's wearing the costume. That is horrifying. Absolutely scary. And Omar Epps and... um Jada Pinkett Smith, their performances were amazing. This is a very good opening scene. And if it, if it's going based on the scene alone and not like the, the impact <clears throat> the impact that it had on the franchise, I think this is actually my favorite opening. But it come on man, scream one, you know. <laughs> and in third place, I'm actually gonna put Scream Six here. Um Scream Six was sought out to be different, just as Scream Five did before it and you know what? Honestly, every Scream movie's opening is like really different from the previous installment. The only the only ones that are somewhat similar is um, Scream Three and Scream Four are kind of similar to each other, and they're also kind of similar to one, but they're still like completely different. They just they just end up with the same result, obviously. Well, except for one that we'll get to uh, pretty soon. <laughs> but um, Scream Six was different. It started with Samara weaving inside of a bar or a club or something of the sort. Some adult you know, event, <laughs> and she goes down to this dark, this dark alleyway, and she gets killed, by the way, we got Samara Weaving in her, like, native accent, and it's so, ah, Samara Weaving is beautiful, but anyway, um, 
Tomorrow we even gets off. And then we get a reveal of who killed her. It's Tony Revolori's character, Jason. Takes his mask off and we know who the killer is, like right out the right out the gate. That is incredible for a screen movie. And it's what people have been asking for for a long time to kind of switch the franchise up. Like, what do we know who the killer is from the beginning? And it didn't last long, obviously. You can't, the, the whole charm of the screen movies is like the whodunit aspect. So obviously, this wasn't going to last. But the fact that they even teased us with it, it's great. And a lot of people, while they wanted that to be like a new, like a new phase of the franchise, they also wanted the the killer that we got revealed to be like killed midway. So now we got a new killer who's the actual like mastermind of the whole thing, and that's essentially what happened. Just it's not midway through; it's in the first like ten minutes. No, maybe the first fifteen minutes. Either way, incredible. Um, I consider this to have two openings: the tomorrow weaving opening where Jason, you know, kills her, and then Jason's death. In the second half of the opening, I consider those to be like two different things, but it's all one big opening. So, the the Jason, <laughs> the Jason death has one of the best lines in the franchise, and that's being "Who gives a f- about the movies?" That is incredible. You know, every Ghostface before this has been obsessed with movies or just obsessed with the horror genre in general. Other than I think Mrs. Loomis, she was different, but all the other killers have been obsessed with these movies or obsessed with this the the idea of the movies in some way but this ghost face was like who gives a fuck about the movies and just slashes and then it cuts to the uh the title card dude that's so fucking dope that that, that it was incredible i really like that opening so yeah i say stream six is my third place right in the middle of the road for me is scream five and this was also a new direction for the franchise where the the opening kill not only like encompasses all this new technology to like adhere to the era that it's in you know we got automatic locks and smart houses and smartphones and all this these different technologies that didn't exist even in 2011 when the last the last um, installment of the franchise was here and we got Jenna Ortega as Tara Carpenter she's the, the open victim and this is the movie that has the second longest um roger l jackson appearance for the opening scene he talks for a very long time it may be in first place i think he might have talked more here than he did in the um original opening i really i have to compare but I, they're really close so it's either first or second that right there gives it brownie points for me um but like i said it's the it's completely new because it's the first time that the victim actually survived the attack and that's crazy because tara Tara went through the most of any open and kill victim, and she was the one that, surprisingly enough, she was the one that survived. I mean, she got slashed in the gut. She got stabbed through the hand. She got her ankle snapped in half. She got stabbed, like, in the back and the side, and it was crazy, but she survived, and that right there was showing us that Scream 5 is a, a completely new entity than the rest of the movies, and it was very... Very warming and welcoming to see that they were willing to change up the, the formula that has been in existence for, what, 15 years at that point? Probably more or less. I don't know. Don't feel like doing the math. But you, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. In fifth place, I'm actually going to put Scream 4 here. Um, There's a big problem I have with this opening, but it doesn't overshadow the, the big problem I have with Scream 3's opening, which is in last place. And I'll go ahead and put that there right now because it's only one spot left. But Scream 4 is opening. Okay, it's it's really cool doing the uh, the fake outs, you know. We think it's 
the actual scene, but it just turns out to be the opening scene from Stab 6, and then, you know, we watch the next scene, and it turns out to be the opening scene from Stab 7, and then we get to the real scene, and that's where I have a problem, because the real scene is the least interesting of the three, um, the one that takes place in real life, like, this is the only time where I don't know the names of the victims, I think one's name was, like, Jenny, and the second one was, like, Marge or Maggie or something that starts with an M, or Marcy, or something like that. Either way, I'm the least invested in these victims over any of the other ones. And that's kind of an issue for me because, you know, the opening scene, it kind of sets the tone for how you're supposed to prepare for this movie, in a way. And when the, the two victims that start the movie off aren't, not only aren't relatable, but also aren't really, they're not relatable, they're not interesting, and they're not empathetic enough. Like, the one, the, the, the girl that dies first is, I'll give her that, she's more empathetic and more relatable, and I care more for her than the girl that actually made it throughout to the end of the, uh, the opening scene, because she was, I'm not going to say unlikable, you know, because she, I don't know how to explain it, I just... I didn't feel enough for her to like, you know, justify that scene being the opening scene, basically. But I will say that I do like it more than Screen 3's opening because of one very simple reason. They killed Cotton Weary in the first 10 minutes of the movie, dude. Why? Why the hell did they do that? I, I to this day, I have never liked that decision. Um, you know, killing... Dewey and Screen 5 is Dewey's my favorite character in the franchise and I'm I was upset but I can forgive the movie for it um Scream 2 is my least favorite but it's not because they kill Randy who's my second favorite character in the franchise it's just it's just one of those things that you know characters die in movies right so Jamie Kennedy Randy um he died in the movie you know oh well it's sad but whatever but Scream 3 killing Cotton Weary in the first 10 minutes is not something I've ever been able to forgive the movie for. Because Cotton was not in the first movie. He was like on the TV for maybe a, a minute total throughout the entirety of the movie. Scream 2, he's in it a lot more, but it's still like, it's enough. It is enough, but it's like, I wish it was more. Um, <clears throat> and Scream 2 is also my least favorite of the franchise. So even though he has more time, it's in the movie that I enjoyed the least. So it's just like this huge like dilemma with me. <laughs> and then Scream 3, he dies in the first 10 minutes. Like, what the hell, bro? What? The, come on, man. Like, I, I've never liked that decision to kill Cotton. He had so much potential as a character. And I, he could have been the killer. He could have been like this unsung, like, you know, um, anti-hero kind of supporting Sydney from a distance. You know, there was so much they could do. And there was a line in Cotton's um, dialogue that, he would not give up Sydney's location no matter what. And I really appreciate that, that they threw that in there, that he actually does care about Sydney. So the line that he said to Scream 2, like, um, you know, Sydney, you know, I never hurt you, it kind of came to fruition a little bit in Scream 3 before he died. And then the way he died was fucking stupid, dude. The, uh, the, the voice changer that has everyone's voice, that bullshit is ridiculous. I've always hated that. We don't even have that technology now in 2023. 
let alone 20 years ago in 2003 or whatever the hell this movie came out 2000 whatever um, <laughs> let alone that that many years ago like the only technology we have that can do that is on these computers and like these specialized apps and things like that and even then it's not that like it's it's so strange like our phones can't even do that let alone some like ten dollar device you can get in like party city so the whole setup is stupid um Khan's death is stupid and wasted he's not even mentioned throughout the entirety of the movie after that it's just it's a huge dumpster fire i, I did not like scream 3's opening because of that if we eliminate that though and we replace Khan with someone else even then, it's still kind of like bland and generic. It's the most bland, the most bland of the uh, the openings if we replace Khan with someone else. So even then, it would still be my least favorite. There's just nothing good about Scream Three's opening to me, personally. So Scream Three would be last place. So we have for opening scene, we have Scream One at number one, Scream Two at number two, Scream Six at number three, Scream Five at number four, Scream Four at number five, and Scream Three at number six. And that is my official ranking for all the opening scenes ranked. On to the next one. Alright, the next category is production quality. So, this one is very tricky to do. So tricky, in fact, that I think I might skip it. Um, well, here's the thing. Alright, I wasn't alive in the 90s. And while I do have other 90s movies to compare the original trilogy to, it's... I feel like I have a unfair like advantage of hindsight, you know, because I I live not only um in the future <laughs> basically, but everything that I grew up watching um that I'm used to is also from a, a a period that is long past the original trilogy. So, I don't know how exactly I can do this. Um this is the only one I'm considering skipping along with the um the soundtrack because of how close they are to each other for the most part but let's give it a shot all right <clears throat> so i think that as far as what i remember just as far as the sets um the not there are no like interesting shots from this franchise for the most part except for like a few select ones like in screen one we got the shot with um henry wrinkler's pupil you know, they zoom in on his pupil and you can see Ghostface reflection in, like, the water of his eyes, which is incredible. Um, but other than, you know, like, a few moments like that, there aren't any shots that are particularly interesting in this. So I can't go off of, of shots. So I'm trying to think of, like, the set design and I don't know. Um, I would say Scream 3 probably has the best, like, production quality overall. It looks the cleanest. It, I'm pretty sure it had the highest budget by default well of the original three at least probably like it's not even close it for sure had the highest the highest budget so i think i'd give it to the screen three by default but as for what comes after that <sighs> scream two and screen one are so similar to each other and this is a big problem i have with scream two that i'm going to get to eventually but they're so similar to each other that i might as well just put them right after that I, I don't know. Scream Scream Six was more was better shot than Scream Five was. And I'm trying to think of what I should do, what I should put in terms of the production quality because the subway scene 
really lends itself to a category that we have later on, but I think it's really well shot. It's super cool. And there are not any moments in Screen 5 that I just think about as far as, like I said, it doesn't have too many interesting shots in this entire franchise. I'll say I'll go Scream 3, Scream 2, Scream 1, Scream 6, Scream 5, and Scream 4 is for sure last. It does have this, like, so this is something I can talk about (laughs) as far as uh, production quality goes. Scream 4 has this very, like, home video feel to it. In a way, of course, it's not like, it's not exactly like that. It's not like a perspective film, like, you know, Paranormal Activity and Blair Witch and things like that. It's not anything like that at all. But it has this, like, this feeling to it that I like to call the home video feeling. And it feels kind of like, um, what's a good example of this? What's another movie that has that feeling? I don't know how to explain it. It's not that it feels low budget. But it just, it has this very homey, like, comfortable type of feeling to it that I don't think is relatively common in, like, these big Hollywood productions in a way. I don't know exactly how to explain it, but it just, it feels like one of those movies. Kind of like how, uh, if you guys watch 2022's um, Ty West's movie X and Pearl that came right after it, it kind of has that feeling. And that's not bad. It's like it's. I think X is incredibly well shot. It's one of the best shot movies of twenty twenty two that I watched. Um, so it's not like a bad thing. But for this franchise, it feels a bit off. Um, and also, Scream Four has the awful. I hate the Vaseline lens feel. It's not my favorite thing in the world. Um, <clears throat> and some of the other movies I've seen it in, it can be forgiven. Like Orphan First Kill had that effect. But it made sense because Isabel Furman was like 20, what, 23, 24, maybe 25. And she had to pretend to be like a, like a, like a kid. It's a prequel to a movie that came out like 10, 13 years ago. So it made sense for them to have that like blurry Vaseline lens effect because they were trying to mask someone's age without like relying too heavily on digital effects to do it. Or without relying at all on digital effects actually, which is... <laughs> Pretty cool, but um, but yeah, Orphan First Killer can be forgiven. Scream Four doesn't really have a a reason for it that I know of. I could look it up and see if you know one of the direct if Wes Craven said something about it, or maybe someone else that worked on the the editing or whatever they have any say so on it. But from what I know right now, currently there is no reason for that other than like a stylistic choice, and it's just not my style. So. That, plus along with the fact that it has that weird, like, home video feeling, and it also doesn't have any, like, cool shots that I remember, like, straight off the top of my head, I think I'll put that in last place. But, like I said, I didn't want to do this category anyway. Um, I'm not going to even repeat the ranking, so if you, <laughs> whatever you heard me say, that's what I'm going to stick with. We're going to move on to the next category, which is my favorite to talk about, actually. The next category is the next. That was country as uh, redo. The next category is uh, thematic commentary, which is my favorite thing to talk about with the screen movies. It's my favorite aspect of the screen movies. And overall, when I really looked at my um, my ranking of the movies, this is what lent the most to my ranking, other than just personal feeling and nostalgia and things like that. But so as far as thematic commentary goes, so as I like to call it with this franchise, the uh, the meta commentary. As far as that goes. 
Scream 1 is far and wide my favorite and the best thematic commentary in the entire franchise. Scream 1 is <clears throat> a whole meta commentary on the horror movie genre itself. The other ones have like a, a very like scoped in on goal of what they wanted to achieve and what they wanted to talk about and what they wanted to kind of just put emphasis on. But the first screen did not have that. It did in a way. But for the most part, it was just a whole like parody, not parody, but a whole like meta. Yeah, it kind of is a parody, like a meta parody on horror movies itself. And that is a very cool idea. And it was one of the first, if not the first movie to do that. And movies after tried to replicate it. And for better or for worse, they tried to replicate that that vibe that Scream gave off. And in my opinion, no movie did it anywhere near as good as Scream did. Um, it's, oh man, dude. Scream 1's commentary is it's, it's funny enough to be... It's not a parody, but it's funny enough to, to sometimes be classified as that. But it's also too subtle to be called a parody as well. So it's funny enough, it's true enough to be a parody, but it's just so subtle and like expertly crafted that it doesn't fall into that category quite as much as like the actual parody, which is Scary Movie. <laughs> scary Movie is what Scary Movie is what Scream is essentially. But Scream is just so much more subtle with the tropes and the things like that that it is it's just so about it's a Scream is a beautiful film. It's a ten out of ten. It's expertly crafted and written script. I love Scream so much because of that. It's oh man. So yeah, by far and wide, the best the best thematic commentary is by far Scream One. For me, the second place will be Scream Four. Um this is about remakes or reboots. You know, 2011 was that era where we got, a, we just got a Friday, not Friday. Yeah, we just did. We got a Friday the 13th remake or reboot. Then we got the, the Halloween Rob Zombie um, movies, not too many years before that. We got the uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street one in 2010, which was horrible. Um, is that, is, is that, there, there are probably more that I'm just not thinking of, but anyway, this was the era of, like, remakes, basically, except Scream 4 wasn't a remake, it was a, it was, its commentary was about reboots and remakes, and, and the Scream franchise in the timeline, it is, like, the middle child, it's the reboot of the franchise, you have the first three movies, the first trilogy, then you have Scream 4, All By Is Lonesome, and then you have the next trilogy of movies being Scream 5, Scream 6, and Scream 7 next year, or the year after that, whatever, whenever it comes out. So, Scream 4's commentary just... And not only the commentary, but just the entire like premise of the movie, and the killer's motives, and everything. It's just about this new age of the internet, and just this new age of technology that, that we're in, and just kind of encompassing all that was around that 2011 era but also being ahead of his time in certain other ways too i really love screen Four's reboot um <clears throat> reboot commentary i think it was fantastic and in third place i'm actually going to play scream three right here because i i like the commentary on trilogies that the movie offered um the scene with randy explaining the trilogy rules and what to prepare for for this final this final act this closure to the franchise um was my favorite part of the movie i think and 
I think Scream 3, for better or worse, did exactly what it's taught out to do. Randy told us that it's supposed to deny truths that we thought we knew and also confirm truths that we thought we knew. And that's exactly what it did with the whole Roman Berger thing, being Marine Prescott's illegitimate son and Sydney's lost brother. Um, how Roman set up Billy and Stu, well, Billy, and then Stu kind of tapped along. But anyway, how he kind of masterminded the original Woodsboro murders, but from a distance. Um, having him be a director, and it, it made a lot more sense with the whole, the movie, the movie angle that they took in the original screen. It, it was just, it was really... The, the commentary and the construction of the commentary was really well done. It's the actual execution of the movie that suffered the most. And like I said in my official ranking video, I, um, or episode, sorry, I give Scream 3 a lot of the benefit of the doubt and I try to, I forgive it as much as I can because it did go through just a lot of, a lot of rewrites, um, and that, speaking of thematic commentary, that was also another part of the plot in Scream 3 with the, the whole, like, the side plot with the actors and the remaking of the, um, <clears throat> just remaking the, the stab, the stab thing. Um, that was another big commentary moment where it was just like, damn, we're, re we're rewriting the script again? Like, you know, that was part of the reason why Scream 3 suffered a lot and it had a lot of inconsistencies and things like that was because, like I said, they had to rewrite the script because of very tragic events that happened in real life as well as, like, the script getting leaked online and things like that. So I forgive Scream 3 a lot. Um, but, yeah, the actual, the, the commentary and the construction of the commentary was perfectly fine. It's just the execution that suffered the most. But Scream 3 would go in my third place slot. So after Scream 3, I'm actually going to play Scream 5 and Scream 6 in the same like slot because Scream 5's commentary is based on um, requels and then Scream 6's commentary is based off of franchises and they kind of go hand in hand. Scream 6's commentary is just a extension of Scream 5, so no reason not to have them in the same spot. Um, <clears throat> but once again, I really like the really like the premise of the um, of the uh, the commentary and I actually think five and six executed their commentary better than scream threes but I just like I, I don't know it's just something about that the OG feeling of the first the first trilogy that gives um scream three some some brownie points for me even though I don't like the execution of the movie but another story um but yeah um legacy sequels and and reboots and ah oh god toxic toxic fandom Listen, I've been involved in every single fandom that I care about. I've been involved in the um, in the community in some form, whether it's on Reddit or just watching YouTubers that like strictly adhere to that to that franchise, like um, like Zach Cherry that does Scream. I, I've I've seen the worst of the fan base and I've seen the absolute best of the fan base, and there are indeed some very toxic fans out there for every for every series. Um, anime especially but even you know things like um cobra kai the cobra kai community is uh, it, it's way more toxic than you would expect a uh a, a reboot of a, a 80s cheesy karate movie you would expect that the the fandom is not there's no possible way this fandom could be toxic right well you would be severely mistaken because the cobra kai community is very toxic so i understand the um understand and relate to seeing firsthand everything that Scream 5's commentary is about. 
And I'm happy to say that I don't feel that way about Screen 5. Um, like Mindy said in the movie, uh, some fans, the original is their favorite thing in the world. And I, I am one of those fans. Screen 1 is my favorite movie of all time and my favorite horror movie of all time. But I've never been one with this franchise to think that even after Wes Craven's original like legacy was built, I never I never had a problem with a potential Scream Five. And I'm glad that we got it. And Scream Six and the Scream Seven that comes out, you know, whenever that comes out. I'm super happy about that. Super grateful. So I'm not one of those fans that like that's like, um, don't touch my 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 prize, don't touch my baby. I've I grew up with these movies, they're everything to me. I'm not one of those people. Thank God. <laughs> um, but I understand it, and I've seen it firsthand, and I know people like that personally. And I'm not saying that that in itself is not a problem. Caring caring a lot about a franchise is what most franchises deserve. You know, they deserve to have those super fans that, that love it to death and would, would watch anything from it or whatever. But, yeah, this toxic fandom can... It's, it's a very broad statement, but it's also very specific, too, in a way. But, um, but yeah, I loved it. Scream 6's commentary was just about franchises. And, like I said, just an addition of Scream, um, Scream 5's commentary. And last place I have, Scream 2. Now, again, Scream 2 is my least favorite Scream movie, and it's for this exact reason. But, I, I, like I said, I love Scream 2. It's not a bad movie at all. And, actually, it's probably... Writing-wise and just writing um, <clears throat> writing consistency-wise is probably one of the best screen movies, but it's the thematic commentary, dude, that makes this movie so dreadfully boring and so long. And Look, this is my argument for Scream 2 every single time I see it brought up. Scream 3 has its own vibe. Scream 4 has its own vibe. Scream 5 and 6 have their own vibes. Scream 2 does not have its own identity, does not have its own voice. And while it's a, a bigger version of Scream 1 and a, uh, what's the word, like a more, hmm, a more fine-tuned version of Scream 1, that's not what I want or need from a Scream movie. I don't need Scream 1 to be rehashed and done over again, but just in a, in a tighter wrapped um, and a tighter, a tighter rap bow, right? Not what I need. And that's all Scream 2 is. It's Scream 1.5. Why would I watch Scream 2 when I can just go watch Scream 1 and get the same movie, but basically just, basically the same movie, but just get it better and I enjoy it more. And also, why would I watch Scream 2 if I want something different from Screen 1, what if I wanted something that's more goofy, more silly, or even something that's more tense or more mysterious? I'll just go watch Screen 4, or I would watch Screen 3 if I want something that's more goofy. There is nothing over Screen 1 that Screen 2 does better, in my opinion. There's absolutely no reason for me to ever revisit Screen 2 um, <clears throat> specifically because the other movies does something better. Or did something, um, <clears throat> either the other movies did something first, as in Scream 1, or they did something newer, as in Screams 3 through 6. So I have no reason to really put effort into watching Scream 2. And the thematic commentary goes along with that. It's just sequels. Can sequels pass the originals? And in my opinion, no, they cannot. Well, they can, but not in this series, not in this franchise. But 
I don't blame Scream 2 for it. You know, it was the first sequel. They they was riding the coattails of the original. They didn't know how far they could stretch this meta commentary stuff. You know, it's a lot of... It, it was a lot that goes into this kind of process. So I don't blame Scream 2 for being so close to Scream 1. And in fact, I think I would have done the exact same. If I wrote Scream 2, saw the success it had, and had the opportunity to write... I mean, if I saw Scream 1 and saw the success it had and had the opportunity to write Scream 2... I would do it the exact same way they did because it's safe. And they would have played Scream 3 a bit safer too, but, you know, a bunch of rewrites and all that crazy stuff that happened within that those, you know, that two-year span um, prevented them from doing so. But in a way, I'm glad the rewrites, like, I'm glad that they rewrote it because while it's not the best movie at all, it's something different. And then ever since that point forward, we've had different Scream movies every time. So Scream 2 is fine, the commentary is fine, but it's my least favorite and it's the most boring and it's the one that I have the least interest in ever rewatching again. And my official ranking for thematic commentary is Scream 1 at the top, Scream 4, Scream 3, Scream 5 and 6 together, and then Scream 2. On to the next category, which is the soundtrack slash the score. Now, when I talked about um, production quality up there, I also said that this would be the one that I would also think about skipping and uh, here's the thing the scream soundtrack is kind of carried over from movie to movie in a way and of course there's there's obviously very different scores in each movie don't get me wrong but the main what made scream feel like scream was usually carried over which is red right hand um dewey's theme the, the little theme that plays uh when the bodies are first discovered the first bodies are first discovered and then there's another theme that also plays in every single movie. I don't know the name of it. And I think the first time we hear it in Scream 1 is... Hmm, is it the first shot of Woodsboro? Maybe. I'm not sure. But either way, the, the soundtrack kind of carries over. So I think this is the one I'm actually going to skip. If I have one freebie on the list to skip, it would be the soundtrack section. But for shits and giggles, same thing I did with production quality. Let's just put Scream 1. It's the one I remember the most, the one I have the most feeling towards. And then after Scream 1, I actually put Scream um, Scream 5. <clears throat> then Scream 2. Then Scream 3. Then Scream 6. And then Scream 4. Scream 4 does not have red right hand in it. I know that for a fact. I know that Scream 4 does not have red right hand. So... Just because of that, I put it in last place, but this is no official ranking whatsoever. And we're just going to move on to the next category. <laughs> All right, the next category is characters. This is a very, very good one, very interesting one. So, by default, I'm going to have to give it to Scream 1 once again. Because my favorite character in the franchise, Dewey, started in Scream 1. Um, I think he's his best in Scream 5. But, you know, overall, he's a, he's a legacy. He's an OG character. So, Dewey's great. My second favorite character is Randy. Randy's great. Stu Mocker is my third favorite. He is great, and he's also from um, Scream. They're, all three of them are from Scream 1. Then we have Tatum, and we have Kenny, and we have Gail, and Sydney and Billy. Um, all these characters, man. It's not... Scream is not, Scream 1, well, none of the Screams really, maybe you can make an argument for, like, Scream 5, possibly, but 
overall, Scream is not like an ensemble cast type of movie, but Scream 1 and I think Scream 5 feel the closest in terms of having like an ensemble. I think everyone meshes together really well in Scream 1 in particular. Um, the party scene is a very good example of that. Even the supposed antagonists of the movies, of the movie, sorry, um, <clears throat> even they mesh together really well with the rest of the characters. So by default, just because of how tight and like well-rounded the characters are in Scream 1, I think I have to give it to Scream 1. And in second place, I'm going to give it to Scream 5, actually. Um, and it's just, it's like, it's another situation like Scream 1. Not an ensemble, but all the characters, they really work well together. Um, Richie is great with every character he's with. Richie is one of my favorite characters. Wes didn't get a lot of time to shine in that movie, unfortunately, but I think Wes was pretty was also pretty good um the only characters i really had a problem with the screen five was live and kind of amber and it's not no i'm not gonna say i have a problem with i may have a problem with live I, I don't know she's a strange character but i didn't have a problem with amber it's just that I, she, she wasn't in the movie too much and for her to be the big reveal it was kind of like yeah but you know it, it's just something that happens in the screen movies in general but overall, dude, I think the characters work perfectly together in Scream 5. Unlike, um, unlike Scream 3, when it's kind of like just a bunch of actors and a bunch of characters that don't really have real chemistry with each other. I think Tyson worked well with everyone, but we'll get to Scream 3 later on. But I'll give second place to Scream 5. Right after Scream 5, I'll probably say Scream 2. Uh, again, this is... The movie, okay, so I think one and five feel the most like an ensemble until it's like something in the middle. Um, I also put, you know what? No, let's do this. Let's put Scream 6 after 5 because I didn't even talk about them in the last entry. The core four, Tara, Sam, uh, Chad, and Mindy are fantastic in Scream 6. They are easily the best part of the movie. It's not even close. You know, I love seeing Kirby back. Um, I love seeing Gail come back. Loved, you know, it, it was fun seeing, having some new characters to interact with. But at the, the heart of the movie, at the core, <laughs> the core four are what what made that movie so good to me. Um, and they are also Screen 5 characters. I don't feel like they had a lot to do in Screen 5, in particular Chad and Mindy. Even Tara. Tara didn't really, although I said the cast feels like an ensemble, Tara didn't really have much to do in Scream 5 with people other than Sam and Amber. She, I, I think she had one scene with Richie at the hospital. Um, she also had one scene with Chan, Chad and Mindy, respectfully, um, which is also at the hospital, too. Um, one scene with Wes at the hospital. So, yeah, it's just Tara didn't really get a lot of chances to be with the other characters. But in Scream 6, that changes, and I think they're all great together. Chad is like the at, at the core of the he's the he's the heart of the movie he's the Dewey of the movie in my opinion I think they all work really well so I'll put Scream Six out to Scream Five in third place in fourth place I'll put Scream Two um yeah this is the movie this is where we start to get out of that like ensemble feeling but I still think Scream Two is somewhat close to that feeling um Derek Mickey and Holly 
they all feel like they're real friends. They they have real interactions with each other. Cotton's thrown in. He doesn't really mesh well with people, but that's very understandable, and that's the point because, you know, he was just convicted of murder last year, even though he was not convicted, sorry. He was just, um, he went through a trial because he was trialed as a murderer, but he got off. Um, who else we have? Two detectives, you know, whatever. Randy's there for a minute. He meshes well with, with, um, with Courtney Cox and, and Dewey. Why do I call it Courtney Cox? With Gail Weathers and Dewey. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, they, they do have a sort of kind of like, you know, tight feeling, but it's not as strong as it was in Scream 1 or Scream 5 and 6, but it's still there. I think it's, the characters are still good in Scream 2. Um, I don't know, except for the, I don't like the Mrs. Loomis angle. Um, I guess we'll get to that later on, but whatever. Out the Scream 2, I'll say it's Scream 4. Uh, and the reason, I think the character, I think some of the characters, like Jill, Jill is probably my favorite character in this movie. I think Jill is great. We'll talk about Jill a bit later when we get to the uh, the killer, the killer reveals and things like that. But I think Jill is great individually. I also think Kirby is pretty great. But Kirby is so overrated in the uh, in the franchise that I kind of, I don't give her the props that she deserves sometimes. But uh, but yeah, um, the other characters though, like Robbie and Charlie, you know, they're they're cool, they're whatever, they. Scream 4 is distant, you know, the the cast feels distant, it's kind of spread out and far in between, it's a lot of inner turmoil in the, the actual characters, and it, that is that doesn't mean that it's like bad turmoil, it's not that it's antagonistic, except for with Trevor, but obviously he's the red herring of the movie, but even with, with you know, Robbie and Charlie, they don't really have many scenes with Jill and Kirby and Olivia for the short time that she was in the movie you know it just feels like the characters aren't tight-laced but individually I think the characters shine pretty well you know like I said Kirby and Jill are great Trevor's okay Charlie's pretty good but you know he's kind of whatever too same with Robbie so the characters are good but they're not my favorite you know and Scream 3, I just don't remember anybody, so Scream 3 is last. I remember Tyson. Tyson was cool. He had chemistry with everybody, but other than that, Angelina, eh. Oh, Parker Posey, um, Jennifer. Jennifer was fantastic. She is probably the highlight of the movie for me, other than, you know, the, the main three, Sydney, Dewey, Gale. And um, other than those three and maybe Tyson, I think Jennifer is the best, but Roman... John Milton, uh, Angelina, the, the rest of them, I just don't care for them. I don't like the Scream 3 characters all that well. I think they're fun to watch, but I don't feel anything for them overall. So I think that's how I'll place this. Scream 1 first, Scream 5, Scream 6, kind of Scream 5 and 6 together. So let's say Scream 1 first, Scream 5 and 6, then Scream 2, then Scream 4, and then Scream 3 last for the character category. All right, the next category is uh, <laughs> is suspense. Okay, so I have something to admit right here. Now that we're here now. I knew who the killers were in Screams 1, 2, and 3 before I watched them because of this being on the internet and seeing scenes from movies that I didn't think I was going to ever watch when I was a kid, and I ended up watching them. So before I even watched the movies, I knew who the killers were. 
sure that probably ruined that would ruin the experience for most people and i think it would ruin the experience for me now if i knew the killers and screamed uh, screams four five and six before i watched it i think that would kind of ruin it for me but because i just didn't have any intention on watching the screen movies before i kind of spoiled myself but that doesn't really take away from like <clears throat> suspenseful moments because only person that i knew made it out of the movies were um was sydney i didn't know that dewey and gail made it so some of their scenes were really tense and kind of suspenseful and that's pretty much how i'm gonna rank these because it's just unfair I mean, like, naturally, 4, 5, and 6 would be the most suspenseful to me because it's the ones I knew the least about. It's the ones I watched brand new for the first time. But let's just go back. Let's just go back and kind of assess this uh, with that, with keeping that in mind. So, there was some tense moments. I think, overall, I think maybe Scream 6 was the most suspenseful, maybe. Scream 5 could go right there. Um, you know what? Let's put Scream 5 first, and then let's put Scream 6 right after. Like I said, it all plays into the fact that I just didn't know who the killers were, and I was really worried because I didn't expect Chad to make it out of Scream 5. Definitely didn't expect him to make out of Scream 6 after what I saw there. Um, with Mindy, you know... I expected one of the twins to live, and I didn't. I, I knew it would be Mindy of the two, and Scream Five at least. I didn't know anything about Scream Six. That was crazy, but um, but yeah, Scream Five. That was super like tense and suspenseful. Um, the some of the other scenes, the Wes and Judy scene was kind of suspenseful as well. Um, and that's that's for all the movies. Like it's stuff that I didn't know other than I just knew the killers. I didn't know the individual kills in each movie before I watched them. So. Scream 2 is very suspenseful. I actually put that at the Screams 5 and 6. Um, the scene with the car where Sydney had to climb over Ghostface is forever the most tense scene to me. It, ah, dude, I was clenched, bro. <laughs> As a kid, when I first watched that, watching this movie, even though I knew Sydney was the one character that was going to make it out because, you know, obviously I saw the reveal for Scream 3, it still was, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect for Holly. Um, and even though I knew Sid made it out, that doesn't mean that that moment wasn't like tense because she still could have got stabbed or whatever. It was just, that was very scary. That was a very scary scene. I give them props for that one. Um, so yeah, I'll probably put Scream 2 there. And then Scream 4 after that, you know, naturally, just because I just didn't know too much about what was going on in that movie before I watched it. And it was the first one I ever saw in theaters. And I was 10 when I watched that movie, too, in theater. So I was a 10-year-old in there by myself. Well, not, I was with a friend, but without, you know, a grown person with me. I was in, in the corner of the movie theater. My mom was outside waiting for us to come out because, you know, she don't watch scary movies. So, ah, oh, man, dude, it was just it was just scary. It's a, it was a super tense environment in there for me because I was so young. But, um, but yeah, I'll probably put Scream 4 there. And then Scream 1. And then Scream 3 last. Uh, because... I knew a lot about Scream 3 and also because it's just like the least tense in general because it's the the goofiest of the movies, like the funniest. So, you know, that's last just because of that. But that's pretty much how I would put this. I say Scream 5, Scream 6, Scream 2, Scream 4, Scream 1, and then Scream 3. All right, now we're at the kills category. 
this is probably something that I should watch on YouTube, kind of get like a reminder of the kills, but I'm going to try to go based off memory. So, Scream 1, Drew Barrymore kill is iconic. Steve's kill is pretty nasty. We don't get to see it on screen, but, you know, it's there. Um, we got Principal Hembry. We have uh, Tatum's iconic kill, probably probably still the best kill in the series, potentially. I'll have to really dive into that. Um, and then we have, you know, Stu getting the TV dropped on his head. If you believe he died, which I don't, let's go. Matthew will look for Scream 7. Uh, <laughs> then we got uh, Billy's death, too. I think that's everybody. Did I say Kenny's throat slash? If I didn't, well, you got Kenny, too. Uh, Scream 2. You can see we got Mickey and Mrs. Loomis, you know, whatever. Hallie's kill was eh. Derek's kill was kind of eh. Ooh, they had the detective though. Both of them, they kind they died in pretty like cool ways, you know. Scream two might be up there. Um, Scream three, the only one I actually remember is Tyson's, uh, where he got his neck broke or some shit, and then thrown off the balcony. I think that's what happened to um, uh, Buffy in Scream two. Um, you know who I'm talking about? I can't remember. Michelle, Sarah Michelle Geller. Yeah, that's what happened to her too. I forgot about her. Mm, Scream 3 has kind of lame kills. Scream 4 has uh, Kate's like stab through the mail slot. And then it has Charlie's like stab through the heart. And Jill had a pretty cool kill and had some cool moments where she could have killed, but she didn't quite finish the job. But I think, uh, so we can't count it. But uh, can we, yes, we can. We can we can count the stabs and like the attempted murders, you know. Why not? Um, Robbie's kill... Olivia's kill was pretty nasty. Okay. Uh, screen five. Richie. Oh, Lord. Richie. Richie Amber. Um, the open. Tara didn't die. Vic got stabbed in the throat once. Wes got stabbed through the neck. Judy got stabbed in open, like, just in broad daylight, which was insane. Okay. And then stream six, we have one of my favorite scenes ever, the bodega scene. We got Annika falling off the top. We got the Quinn, the real Quinn death. And we got the real um, Jack Champion death. I can't remember his name. I think it's Ethan. Um, okay, so I think I'm going to do this. I'll say I might give number one to Scream 5 because of the Dewey kill. I know that's my favorite character and God rest his soul, but Dewey had a pretty cool kill. Um, <laughs> The Dewey kill, the Richie kill was great, fantastic. That was, oh, man. Amber's, like, light on fire thing was pretty cool. I know it didn't actually kill her. It was the gunshot wound, but I'm still going to count that. Wes had a super cool kill going through his neck, and rest in peace, Wes, because that's one of my other favorite characters. But Judy got killed in open daylight. I got to give it to Screen 5 for, the, like, the best kills overall. Out the Screen 5, uh... That bodega scene was fucking nuts, dude. I, I love that scene. I don't think I can give it to Scream 6, though. Um, I'm going to say Scream 1 after Scream 5. Just because of the Tatum kill alone. Well, Tatum and Stu had some pretty cool kills. So And we had that cool shot with um, Professor Hembry's um, pupil. One of, probably my favorite shot in the whole series, honestly. So I give it to Scream, Scream 1 out to Scream 5. Then I'll probably put Scream 6 just for the bodega scene because it's, it's that scene was so cool. Um, then Scream 4, and then I'll say Scream 2. And Scream 3 for sure.
had the worst kills possible. There was not a single interesting kill in that whole movie. And I understand why. Like I said, I forgive Scream 3 for a lot of its issues because of all the behind the scenes things that was that was going on at that time during those those two years, you know, the two year span right there. So I forgive it for a lot. But, you know, just objectively, I think most people would agree that Scream 3 has some pretty, pretty bad like kills as far as being you know creative and, and interesting. So I think that's my ranking. I'll say Scream 5, Scream 1, Scream 6, Scream 4, Scream 2, and then Scream 3 being last. But honestly, in reality, you can just change this order into whatever, you know, whatever it is. Because I don't have like a dead set opinion about the kills themselves. Except for Scream 3. Scream 3 for sure has the, the least entertaining kills of everything. Alright, now we're at my my three favorite categories to finish this list off. And the first one is the killer reveal. Man, like I said, I knew the first three killers, so it's kind of hard to put them above the others. But I do realize how iconic each of them are, so I will keep that into consideration. Um, Man, I got to give number one to Jill, though. The Jill reveal, just, be, just Jill alone put Scream 4 as my number one. Charlie reveal was kind of eh. Like, it was kind of cool that they faked us out with, you know, having Charlie actually be the one that was the killer, even though he was tied up outside. That was cool. It definitely fooled me as a 10-year-old when I was watching this in the theater. <laughs> but, uh, but man, the Jill reveal, dude, I just didn't expect it. Jill was supposed to be the the new the new final girl, the new star. She's Sydney's cousin. She's the obvious pick to carry Sydney's legacy throughout the rest of this franchise, you know. But she ended up being a killer, and it's just crazy. The The killer's motives is like the next category, so I, I won't include the motives here, but just to reveal itself, Jill has to be the best Ghostface reveal thus far, except for the people that saw Scream 1, like, blind and didn't know that it was two killers, actually Stu and Billy. And because of that, actually, let's just put Scream 1 right there, right after Scream 4. It's the first time, I don't know, maybe not the first time, but, you know, most of these major horror slashers, it's just one main killer that everyone knows. It's Jason, it's Michael Myers, it's Chucky, it's uh, it's Freddy. This was the first time we have two killers and not one. It's crazy, dude. I, I can't imagine how cool that was because I obviously didn't understand the impact when I first watched the movies as a kid. And I also knew, like, the spoiler that it was two people the whole time, so... Because of that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of tainted. But I just can't imagine how that must have felt for the people that watched that movie in theaters. I knew it was like, that had to have been such an amazing time, dude. <laughs> so, yeah, I would say Scream 4 is my favorite. And then Scream 1 is like just a little bit behind it, almost even with it. Um, After that, hmm, I will say Scream 5. Not not because Amber is particularly interesting. I think she's kind of boring as a character. But because of Richie, dude. Because, man, Richie, I really hated that Richie was the killer, dude. <laughs> when he said, uh, he said something like, ah, oh, it's me. I know it's a bummer. I was like, yeah, dude, it kind of is. Like, you were a cool character. Richie was funny. He, he, I think he was the funniest character in the movie by far. It's not even close. And I, I just really wish that he wasn't the killer i wanted him to be in scream six um it well i guess if he wasn't the killer that he was most definitely going to be a victim so 
I guess either way, we weren't going to have Richie and Scream 6. But, you know, Jack Quay is is an amazing actor. I'm glad he got to shine with that role. Um, Richie, Richie was cool. Amber was also cool, but it was kind of obvious from the beginning to me. And before Screen 5 came out, I had been watching a lot of, like, prediction videos and things. So I was already mentally prepared for Amber to be the killer before I even watched the movie, you know. But having those things in mind while I watched the movie just made it all the more obvious that Amber was the killer. She It was using Amber's phone that he apparently cloned, but that's not how cloning works. So... It, it was just it was just a lot of obvious things, you know, but it's still pretty cool. Um, after that, I'll probably say Scream 6. Um, yeah, I'll probably say Scream 6. Again, that movie I watched fresh. Uh, I don't think any of them really surprised me except for Quinn coming back because I kind of suspected Ethan. Well, no, this, I didn't I didn't know Detective Bailey was the killer. Let, let me not be lying here. It's not. I didn't even suspect him to be the killer. It just wasn't... It wasn't like a big, huge reveal, even after the fact, you know. <clears throat> but Quinn surprised me. Quinn coming back kind of surprised me a little bit. Overall, though, it's kind of like, it, it, it was a good reveal, but it's kind of like whatever, you know. And after that, I'll say Scream 2, because Mickey was obvious. And also, I, I already knew beforehand, right? So I couldn't have been surprised because I knew it was Mrs. I didn't know it was Mrs. Loomis, though, but I knew who the woman was that was the killer. And when I first watched it, the whole time, I'm sitting here thinking, like, who? I see this woman, and I see she's a news reporter, but, like, you know, who is it? Like, why is it so important? You know what I mean? Even <laughs> uh, while watching the movie, I just didn't get it because although I knew that she was the killer, I didn't know that she was Billy's mom. I didn't get that part of the reveal when I watched it, you know, on YouTube back then. So, because of that, I give it a few more points than Scream 3, where Roman was the only killer, and I knew exactly what the motive was. I knew that he was um, Marine Prescott. I knew that, I knew it was Sydney's brother. So, because of that, I just give it the least amount of points. But the first three I have on this list, Screams 4, 1, and 5 are great. I love the reveals there. Um, Scream 6 was, was good. Scream 2 was also okay scream 3 was kind of eh but man ah dude scream 4 dude i can't sing jill's praises enough i really loved i really loved that reveal so so cool the uh the next category is killer motive now here's the thing am i am i ranking this based on how like logical it is or how entertaining it is because if it's based off logic I think the Revenge movies have to be first, so that would be Scream 2 and Scream 6. Maybe Scream Scream 4 kind of counts as like a a revenge-based type of motive. But if I'm going, well, Scream 1 as well, and Scream 3. All of them, except for Scream 5, is kind of revenge-based. So I could do it based off of that, or I could just do it based off of just how much I liked it as a viewer. Well, number one is going to Jill by far. Screen four is number one here. The I the whole like I'm living in this family with you, Sydney, and all the attention goes to you. I want to be famous, you know. Like, um, 
I, I think that was cool. I think that was so cool, dude. And then it was so ahead of its time with the whole, like, the social media thing. Jill wanted to be popular. The <laughs> the um, the lines, like, you know, people don't even have to do anything to be famous anymore. They just have to have, you know, like, fucked up things happen to them. That line right there is the... It wasn't true back in 2011 when this movie came out, but now, in 2023, everybody does, they do, they do so much for these clicks and these views on, on their social media platforms that it's kind of crazy. Screen 4 predicted that, like, like, four or five years before social media even became, like, as mainstream as it is now, so it's it's crazy. I gotta give it to Screen 4 um, for number one. Number two... Number two, um, I guess I'll give it to Scream, Scream 6. You know what? Let's change it up. Let's give it to Scream 3, actually. Let's give it to Roman Bridget. Roman's motive is that Maureen Prescott or Rena Reynolds, I think. <laughs> I don't know if that's her name. I think it is. It's Reynolds, but I don't know if it's Rena. But let's just say Mrs. Reynolds, um. She dumped Roman, kind of left him behind because you know she, she claimed that her her Miss Reynolds um, persona is different than her actual persona, which is Maureen Prescott, which is Sydney's mom. Um, so she kind of left Roman in the past, and when Roman approached her, you know he, she was like, "You're not a part of my life. You're a part of something that I've let go of years ago." And she just kind of, kind of rejected him. And he carried that with him for years, and then he act, acted upon it by setting setting it up so that Billy and Stu, well, Billy mostly was was also mad at Marine for the whole uh, cheating with with his dad situation, having an affair with his dad situation. So, I think Roman has a pretty cool motive. It's it's different, you know. It's not the it's not the exact kind of revenge like Scream Two and Scream Six is. It's revenge, but it's different. Um, so I, I think that's because of that, because of how unique it is, even though overall I don't like the whole illegitimate son type of vibe that Scream 3 is, I do think it's pretty unique. So because of that, I give it to Scream 3 for second place. All right, for number three, I'm going to just go ahead and put Scream 1 right here. And based off what I just said, you would expect that I would put Scream 1 here because of Billy's motive because of his mom walking out on their family because, you know, his dad had an affair with Marine Prescott and it's just a revenge plot. You would think that I would put it up here because of that, but it's actually because of Stu, because Stu just wanted to tag along and be a part of something that he he just went on a murder rampage because he just wanted to be a part of something. I think having no motive like Stu had is way scarier Maybe not as interesting, or maybe even more interesting. Actually, maybe it's more interesting for someone to go into killing, spree, go into killing spree without a motive, um, as opposed to having some sort of motive like Billy did. So, I think it's just movie fun that Stu had tied along for this journey despite not having any actual reason to, outside of just wanting to be a part of something, you know. And for the remaining three, I guess I'll go the logical route. So Scream 2 and then Scream 6 and then Scream 5 being last. But keep in mind, Scream 5 is not actually last on my list. It is, you know, it, I think it's the most batshit, crazy, insane motive <laughs> um, 
toxic fandom is the motive here. I think that's fucking cool, but it's also very, very crazy, and it's the least logical, but it's super fun. So in my in my heart, it's not last, but on this list, I guess I'll put it last, just for the sake of, you know, giving to it. Two and six, they have pretty solid motives, you know, and Scream 5's motive is not solid, but it's fun. So I, I'll make a compromise here and put Scream 2 and Scream 6 right there, because it's just good old-fashioned revenge, as Miss Lumen said. So... Scream 4, then Scream 3, then Scream 1, then Scream 2, then Scream 6, and then Scream 5 for Killer Motive. And the last category is the climax. The the, uh, the killer has been revealed, you know. Now it's the final showdown between Killers and, um, and Sydney, pretty much. <laughs> so, my favorite final showdown, my favorite climax to a movie, a Scream movie has to be Scream 4. The the Jill doing the, the, the self-harm scene where she's pulling out her own hair and stabbing herself in the shoulder and, and scratching her face up and jumping through uh jumping through glass tables is one of my favorite like sequences in the whole franchise in general, not just from climaxes of the franchise. And we get the hospital scene where Jean where um Jill is just hiding in corners and sneaking past nurses and she went to Sydney's room to kill her and she she beat the hell out of Dewey and then she shot Judy. It, it was crazy, dude. Jill almost won. Can you believe that? We almost had a screen we we had a screen movie where the killer was like inches away from victory. Like this is it never happened before and it never happened again after. But Jill almost changed the franchise forever. So because of that, I gotta say, Scream, uh, Scream Forest Climax is my favorite climax in the entire franchise. After Scream Four, I'm actually going to give it to Scream One. Billy and Stu, iconic. The some of the best scenes, uh, the best pieces of dialogue in the entire franchise is right there in that kitchen. Uh, <laughs> Matthew Lillard, dude, Stu Marker, his my mom and dad are gonna be so mad at me. Line and the uh, you you hit me with the phone, Dick. That line. <laughs> Dude, th- those two lines alone have to give it. it. It gave it points, but the whole climax is cool, you know. Like I said, I can't even imagine how it was for people in the theater knowing that there's two killers and they're working together and they're they're stabbing each other to look like victims and all this crazy shit. I just I just can't imagine how that how that felt for people back then who you know who didn't know who the killers were and the first time that it's two killers and not just one singular person in a franchise, you know. So because of that, I gotta give it to Screen One. It's just iconic. Screen One in itself is completely iconic, man, and it wins a lot of categories just because of that. Now I'm gonna sound a bit hypocritical here, but I'm actually gonna put Screen Three's uh, climax at number three. I know I said I don't I don't too much care for the the Roman Bridger thing as as put in my killer reveal or put Screen Three last. But the climax itself was pretty fun, you know. The the whole brother brother sister fight to the death thing was cool. They got some good hits in on each other. Roman shot Sydney in like the chest or some shit. It was it, it was crazy. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know, dude. It was it was a pretty long fight. It was a pretty good fight too. They both got their their hits in, and and they had a sweet moment when Roman faked his death the second time in the movie where they held each other's hands, and, you know, it, it was it was a fun climax, I will say that. Not the biggest fan of the actual, like, reasoning with the climax, but 
the combat itself was pretty good. I'll give Scream 3 that. In fourth place, I give it to Scream 5. Uh, we're back in the, the first house, the Stumacher house, the iconic house from the first movie. We're back there. Dewey's dead, so Sydney and Gail are on a mission, and you know we get the whole the whole fight with Richie and and Sam. We get some more not chase sequences because we didn't have those in Screen Five, but we had some. You know, it was just cool seeing the house again. Mostly, I think that's why I give it so much like so much props because it was just cool seeing the house again, for the most part. That's my biggest reason. I'm, I'm kind of bullshitting and patting with the other stuff, but the main reason is because we get the house back. Like, come on now. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of The Real Reese. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.
I guess I'll give Scream 6 the 5th place. Uh, not by much over Scream 2, which is the last place for this for this category. It, it's kind of the same ending. You know, we get the revenge motives. So Scream, is, Scream 6 is just Scream 5's Scream 2. That's pretty much how I would explain it. But Scream 2 is the Scream 1. That's what Scream 6 is the Scream 5. It takes place at the same like theater type of thing that Scream 2 took place in. Um, the killer's motives are the same as Scream 2's. So it's not like I put Scream 6 over Scream 2, but it's not by much. You know, it's still, they're very close to each other. But I still think it's a pretty big gap between um between Scream 5 and Scream 6's climax. So, there we there we have it. I don't have much to say about Scream 6 and Scream 2's climax. It's just not a big fan of the locations, especially for Scream 2. Scream 6 had a fun location, but the, the dialogue and the, um, I don't know, everything just kind of went downhill for Scream 6 and the climax, but everything before the climax is fantastic, man. I love it. But overall, I'll say Scream 4 is my favorite climax. And then Scream 1 is like a little bit under it, but right there. Then Scream 3, way under Scream 1. And then Scream 5. And then Scream 6 is way under Scream 5. And then Scream 2. That's pretty much how I would put that. So looking at my list overall, <clears throat> it makes sense why Scream 1 is my favorite movie because... Scream 1's lowest place is 4th place. I mean, 5th place. And that's for the uh, <clears throat> the suspense category. But that's because I spoiled myself and I already knew it. So, we're not going to even count that. The actual lowest place for Scream 1 is 3rd place. Um, and it has 4 1st place categories. So, it makes sense why Scream 1 is my favorite. Uh, <laughs> Scream 4 is my second favorite overall. And... From this list, it makes sense. I think the better average is probably for Scream 5 over Scream 4. Which is surprising because Scream 5 is my fourth place overall movie. Um, but for the things that I like the most about Scream 4 is at the very top of his class. Which is the killer reveal, the killer motive, the climax, and the, uh, the thematic commentary. Only thing that has been in those categories is Screams 1 commentary. So, you know, I think that's a pretty good ranking. Honestly, I think I think it makes sense that Scream 4 is my second favorite movie. Uh, my third favorite movie is Scream 6. But that was kind of like after Scream 6 had just released. And I, that was like the next day kind of like ranking and review. Now that I'm given the time, I may put Scream 5 as my third place, and then Scream 6 as my fourth place, but they're super close to each other. And based on this list, it makes the most sense. Um, <clears throat> Scream 3 is my fifth place movie, and Scream 2 is my least favorite, and that's still true here, even though Scream 3 has the most last place entries out of the whole, <laughs> the whole franchise on this list. Um, but I explained to you guys why that's the case. I think Scream 2 is a better movie than Scream 3, for sure. The writing is better. You know, a lot of things is better in Scream 2 and Scream 3. But Scream 2 kind of cheated. It doesn't have its own identity. And Scream 3 had, like, a variety of behind-the-scene, backstage issues leading up to its release. So I forgive it for a lot of things because of that. It's 
I, I enjoy it more than Scream 2, although I do think Scream 2 is the better movie. So Scream 2 is my least favorite. Scream 3 is my second least favorite, and it, the list kind of reflects that overall. So thank you guys for tuning in to this. It was super fun getting to lay out my thoughts about my favorite movie franchise, but until the next one.